Thank you for joining us for a Kingdom Thoughts conversation with one of our founders on Insight Now. You can watch live streams on Facebook and YouTube. We hope that you enjoy the conversation. Boom. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. So um, uh, we're here doing our sound install. So I'm in work mode. I've got I've got the you know scruffy face, the hat. So if anybody's like, huh, Chris is looking like he needs to, you know, take a break. Uh, that's what's going on today. And then um, uh, just so everybody's aware, you might have some stalls on the live stream today. Uh, our church is notorious for really slow internet. So if we have stalls, I'm taking full blame for that. Um, so be patient with us. Uh, we know that the, the Lord is on our conversation today. Uh, and so Nathaniel, Amy, it's always good to have you on, on Fridays. Uh, this has been, this is absolutely a highlight of my week. Um, I, I, I can't miss it for the world. So I'm so, so glad that you guys are on here with me today. And um, I, we've been getting good feedback. People really are enjoying our conversations. And, uh, if you are enjoying the conversations, pop in the chat. Let us know, even if it's after in the archive, just just comment on there. And we do to take a look at that. And we love to reply and interact with everybody as much as possible on the live stream. So with that, Nathaniel, Amy, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Minnesota mm -hmm. finally warmed up. <laughs> oh, did it? Okay, that's yeah. good. That's a good time. We, we went from 50s to 80s overnight. <laughs> Wow. Which led to some pretty wild storms and uh, glad to say it. Well, it just, this is true Midwesterners here. Wednesday night, we're at church. Every phone goes off in the place that there's a tornado. My mom calls like it's on the ground in the town south of you. And what do Midwesterners do? Do we go hunting for a safe place? Nope. Everybody goes we'll outside. Go outside to look. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I said, this is a problem, you know, when you live here your entire life and the, the tornado sirens go on, but it's never a tornado. So, you know, everyone's like storm chaser versus like, we should right. in the basement. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's just great. a little Midwest humor for you. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit about the spiritual significance of the tornado warning. Just share what you what you shared with me earlier about that. So we've been doing our Wednesday night series at church, and um, uh, this week happened to be the the topic was uh, end times. And basically just that Jesus has called us, you know, in Matthew 24, um, yeah. it has a big long list of things that a lot of people see happening around us. They're like wars and rumors of wars. And it's like, it's the end times. Jesus is coming soon. And I, what Jesus actually says is like, this is not the end. Don't be worried. <laughs> and the only true sign of the end, he said, that he gives us is this gospel of the kingdom must go forth as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. And so I was just wrapping up by saying basically like, mm -hmm. what if all those things aren't meant as like this prophetic declaration of, of all the junk we're going to have to live through. And what if instead it is actually a description of our assignment? Like this is the setup mm -hmm. in for, for us to advance the kingdom through the darkness Amen. to shine the light in the Amen. darkness. And I'm mean, just saying yep. like God has called us to be yep. the calmer of storms. And yes, 
amen. We close. We're just going into small groups right then. And right then, like everybody's phone goes off with this. Well, look, there's this massive storm. Um, mm-hmm. But also right across town, the, the pastors who sent us out to plant our church, they just finished a new addition, a brand new sanctuary. And they, they're doing revival meetings this week to officially dedicate them, their new space. And it was the first night of their meetings. They had sent people throughout the campus to, to pr- do their own prayer uh, time. And they just gathered everybody back together. And, uh, and the senior pastor was praying, like inviting the Holy Spirit to come and fill this this place, and all of a sudden, everybody's phones going off. Oh, this wow. wow. the strong so wind is coming to town, right? Wow. And, uh, and so the strong wind came to town. The winds were blowing and didn't cause any damage anywhere in the cities, anywhere in the storm so path. So as a powerful sign of God for yes. um, confirming yes. His word here so and there. Yeah, so wonderful. You know, one of the uh, one of the realities of I think the last twenty years has been this awakening of what the kingdom should look like and what what is it that the end times actually should look like. Um, I know a lot of people have have held on to that concept that it has to get darker before it can get brighter, and yet every time it gets dark, the light gets bright. So yeah. you know, it's like there's there's no way to separate. Um, there's no way darkness can overcome light, you know? And so you either have a, have an eschatology that leaves you as a victim to circumstance yeah. or a victorious believer who's altering circumstances, who's yeah. um, exerting, exerting the kingdom into the natural. And of course, you know, I think that that, that revelation over the past 20 years um, and, and it's been there, it's always been there. But right. that people are actually willing to believe God that when it gets dark, I have to get brighter. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, that that mindset has shifted so many churches, has shifted the trajectory of faith, it shifted the trajectory of the encounters with God have increased exponentially. Um, I was listening to, uh, Annalise sent us a, a video clip of a podcast interview uh, between... Oh, I can't remember, but it was Francis Chan was on there. And okay. and so Francis has become charismatic. You know, he, he left all, you know, he, they both went to, you know, the Southern Baptist seminary. And then they, they come in and, and both of these guys have had these radical encounters with God. And they're like, okay, I can't ignore this because I met with God. Right. Like I can't I can't say that that tongues is bad because I've, I've experienced it. And this yeah. is the Lord. Right. Like, so um, he says, he says, he's got this comment where, where he says, did I blip out for a second? Um, He's got this. Okay. He's got this comment where he's like, people don't walk away from their parents' faith when they encounter God. He's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you don't see Moses at the, you know, come off Mount Sinai and go, "Ah, I think I need to question my belief system. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, you don't see, you know, you don't see Job encounter God and go, oh, I think I'm going to leave my parents faith. Right. Right. And, yeah. and uh, he br- brings up this scripture uh, in Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 27, 14, 19, somewhere like that. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it, 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 it says that they fear me because it is what they've been taught. Hmm. Not because of not because they know me. 
Yeah. Right. And uh, and I think that that transformation across the church is happening in mass. Yeah. Where, where and it doesn't matter your theological doctrinal backgrounds because God's okay with those differences. He, those I don't think those differences bother him as much as are you hungry for me? Are you pursuing mm-hmm. me? And those and those who are hungry are having encounters. Right? They're realizing like I can't walk away from this because and I can't live in sin and I can't do this stuff because he's real. He's yeah. here. I've encountered him. I've touched him, right? Right. Yeah, we were we're just reading in Mark this week and you know, we were reading the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and here this group of people is following him. They're hungry. They're hanging on his every word so much so that they stayed there for three days. And then Jesus breaks the bread and he feeds them. He gets in the boat, goes across the lake and the Pharisees come out and they're like, show us a miracle to prove that you are who you are. And it's like, the and he goes, no, no miracle is going to be shown to you. Like he, like, the people who are hungry are the ones experiencing, you know, and those who are coming with law and religion, like prove it to me, Lord, are the ones who are not, you know? And so here there's this encounter that Mm. the hungry people got fed, you know, and and they got to experience the miraculous. Yeah. It was, this kind of a powerful juxtaposition of the two stories Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) Creating hunger. Yeah. Well, and you know, you, you asked that great question before we got on um, and it was about revival. Can you can you talk about that conversation you have with the Lord? Yeah, so I had been praying pretty earnestly for months for revival in my city. And at one point the Lord said, well, Amy, what does it look like when, when revival has come to your city? And I was like, that's a good question, Lord. And he goes, well, how are you gonna know if, I, if I've answered your prayer if you don't know what revival looks like? So. I had been praying a prayer that I felt like it was a good prayer, but the Lord said that I needed to start defining what revival would look like so that I would know when he has answered the prayer. That is so good. That is so good. Yeah. So what does revival look like? And let's, let's maybe run down that rabbit trail for a little bit and say, okay, um, how, how have you began to define revival then? Since that conversation with the Lord, what has the Lord done to say, okay, this is what revival looks like? That's a good question. Um, we actually had this list of declarations that we used to make over our city all the time. Like Belle Plaine is a city where family where families don't get divorced, where there is no, nobody no dies, dies from sickness or injury, where, um, you know, we just began to make these declarations of things that were like, when life happens, what good springs from that yeah i'm looking for a note (laughs) (laughs) healthy family it was about children honoring their parents and parents having honor for their kids yeah Yeah. wisdom in the schools um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that those things are a lot of the fruit of revival i think revival looks like a hunger to know the Lord and that for God to mm-hmm. be breaking out in signs, wonders, and miracles. And mm-hmm. for, um, yeah. I think a good a good <laughs> illustration of it, I forget which revivalist this is, whether it was uh, Jonathan Edwards or Charles Finney or John Wesley, somebody, one of those revivalists. Um, and you look at the, the descendants of that revivalist and how many of them were 
uh, went into government. They were governors, they were representatives, congressmen, they were lawyers, they were pastors. They, you know, they, they weren't just teachers, they were professors and presidents of mm -hmm. universities. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, so the fruit of revival was actually influence throughout society. And right. specifically, um, this was kind of the language that, that I was coming up with for it even just recently was really it's looking at what is the wisdom that enables heaven to be so unshakable? Mm. Like wisdom mm. is built on this unshakable wisdom. What is that Love wisdom? It. And how do we implement that wisdom into earthly yeah. systems? Because yeah. when earthly systems are as unshakable as heaven, that actually brings stability to the communities yeah. and, and the organizations. Anybody that's attached to those structures gains the benefit from its stability. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. revival isn't just growth in the church. Revival is actually something that touches all seven mountains. Right. Proverbs says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's a connection yep. between between the righteous being influential and then the city around them actually benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm looking for in, in that passage in Matthew 24, where it says that, you know, this gospel must be preached among all uh, preaching all nations must go into all nations. Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting because the word nations there is actually the root of it means systems. Mm -hmm. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's a bigger picture of what I think Jesus said. I don't think that, you know, I think that we look back and we go, oh, there's so much connotation in some of the language that's used that we can miss because of the King James version or because of the translations, you know, different things over the years that have been twisted around a little bit. But it really is interesting that um, when we talk about like the seven mountains, uh, we talk about, let's just listen for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about. Uh, we have the church, we've got yep. family, right? We've got education, we have government, mm -hmm. we have media, we have arts and entertainment, and then we have finance, like business. Yep. And so yep. when we look at those, when we look at the seven, at the seven mountains, um, what does the, we, obviously we could, there's lots of books written. What does the kingdom look like in each of those mountains, right? And we know what the redemptive arc of each of those mountains should look like. And I think it's really worth taking some time to, um, in your own time to start researching and looking at that, because I think that different people are called to different mountains. Uh, some mm -hmm. people will have multiple mountains that they might be called into. Uh, I think the creatives have to bring redemption to arts and entertainment, right? We know that the, the, the spiritual stronghold, the demonic stronghold over arts and entertainment is immorality, sexual immorality to be specific, you know, with business, it's greed and corruption in government, you know, so uh, we've got, we've got these things that we just see. And we, and this is why the Christians are like, I don't want anything to do with that because it's immoral, or I don't want anything to do with government because it's corrupt, or I don't want to have anything to do with finance because it's greed. Well, that's the demonic influence and the sin right. influence over those things. And yet there's a redemptive side of business in that businesses are actually creating opportunity for wealth creation and for generosity to flow. Right. Mm -hmm. so, you know, and then the government is producing an environment for people to pursue God with absolute freedom and with justice being served. So, you know, we, 
you know, like education is humanism, right? It's the demonic stronghold over education, that the human mind and the human is the premier, the way we think is the premier, and yet education should be, this is who we are in Christ. This is who God has created us to be. And then all of our education comes then down to, well, what does God say about that? Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. so and developing yeah, the natural curiosity and then the beauty mm -hmm. of creative expression, whether that's mm -hmm. through the arts and humanities or the study of God's redemption throughout history and how. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, you know, and I think one of the ones that I think everybody who's a believer right now really has on top of mind is media, mm -hmm. you know, because the media, the demonic stronghold of media is fear. Mm -hmm. You're like, OK, yeah. well, we see that every day. So where's the hope? Right. Because the redemptive arc in media is hope, you know, mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's it's fun to study that stuff. And when we look on the ground, you look on the ground as as, you know, your church right there in Belle Plaine, Minnesota, as being one of the mountains that you're called to is the church. And you guys are church and family and government. Right. So you've got three big three big things that you guys have carry mantles for that, you know, God has placed in your heart. How is that manifesting for you guys right now? What does that look like? A big, big question. But. Honestly, that is a big question. I, know. I was like somewhere else in my brain. So let's come back to this. Um, I want to write this down quick though. Um, well, she's writing that well, down. Okay. Oh, God. I mean, I think we're, I think where we're at is a little different because um, like when we were taught the kingdom message, it's like the kingdom touches everything. And so mm -hmm. it's actually taken us a while to have the confidence to say, this is our place in the kingdom. And especially mm -hmm. as pastors where we feel like we need to have some finger on the pulse of everywhere so that we can, mm -hmm. so that we can activate people and stir up passion in people for across mm -hmm. the board. It's mm -hmm. like we haven't felt permission to mm. actually own a more narrow bandwidth and a more narrow spectrum and expression. So it's taken us a while to really say, yep, family and church, and this is what it's going to look like. And this, So I feel like we're yeah. just starting to get traction so, in those areas. I have some thoughts on that. Uh, the first thing I would say is that as the church influences all the mountains, it's the one mountain that should influence all mountains. And so that's why you feel that, right? Like you feel like, right. oh, we've got to have a good grid on everything because of the church call that you have. Exactly. And actually, when you own it, you become apostolic in nature, right? right? When you own it, you actually are going to use the governmental authority that is on you in the region to begin to send people and to begin to develop and equip people into those mountains. So it is it is the it is the catch all um, catch all place where the church actually should be understanding what does what does righteousness look like in the seven mountains? Because we want to develop people who can establish that, grow that, make it flourish. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's that, you know, that piece where we're like, I feel like I've, I've got to know everything and got to have it all dialed in. And, you know, but that's that's the natural call for for healthy kingdom-minded church leaders is not just worried about getting people in the pew it's worried about how do i send people into the community and get them right. activated into their call into their gift into their metron right yes. so yeah so that's I've, cool i've 
Yeah, I feel like part of why we have such a heart for family is because if we can get family right, then every kid grows up and gets a job somewhere. It's mm -hmm. upstream. From it's upstream from every mountain. So if absolutely. We can help with healthy family, then if healthy family touches any everything. But yes, as church leaders, then we need to be um, looking at and speaking into all the mountains. But I feel like there's you know this thing among Christians is that when we get saved, we think that we need to abandon everything and then come into the church and like serve church or I quit my job or I, you know, and then I'm going to go be a missionary everywhere. Um, you know, and some people that is the call on their mm -hmm. life, but for yeah. most people, it's not. If you look at yeah. the Bible from the beginning yeah. of time, yeah. every person had a job. They went to yeah. work. They tilled the land. They did the things. They, they maintained the structure. There was a season, I think in the days of, um, was it Jeremiah when Israel went into captivity and God told them, you know, don't just sit here waiting to get captured or to, to, for to your freedom. Free. Don't wait to be free in this 70 years, get jobs, get married, have babies, mm -hmm. keep, you know, mm -hmm. like keep doing the life mm -hmm. things. Pursue the benefit Pursue the benefit. And welfare of your cities. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I feel like, you know, especially if we can just touch on the politics mountain here just for yeah, a second, on, is that, that in this last season, you know, it's like the, I feel like Christians are at war even with among among themselves, whether totally. we go into the political mountain or we don't go into the political mountain. And no, there are Christians who this is the call and the anointing on their life is the political mm -hmm. mountain. Like, look mm -hmm. at Esther. Look mm -hmm. at Deborah. Like, God has ordained people to Let's be go. in the political mountain. So as Christians, we can't be yeah. like. You should abdicate your role in that. No, when oh, we abdicate, yeah, it's the government of the world. Well, when it will we, be if you leave it. When we abdicate our role in a mountain, the enemy moves in and takes the territory. Well, that's, that's what, what we've seen the fruit of. We've seen and, the fruit of it. And we've seen it. the fruit of that in the yeah. media mountain yeah. and in other mountains, you know, yeah. but, you know, like, oh, we. So, so when we pull out, you know, like even a lot of people are jumping off of Facebook. Facebook. And I was one of those who was like, I'm going to get off. And then I was like, wait, if I leave, who's going to be the encouraging voice to keep turning people towards healthy family? Oh, I better stay and hold my ground and keep doing the healthy thing on here, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think this is where um, I feel like a little bit the Lord has been saying over and over lately is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything yeah. else will be added. Like, don't yeah. get distracted by the storm. Don't yeah. get the distracted by the manifestation of the enemy. You mm -hmm. keep doing your thing in your lane and everything else will come into agreement with those things. Mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. as I keep doing healthy family in the middle of the chaos going on, yeah. in Facebook, guess what's going to yeah. happen? It's going to bring stability. It's going to bring yeah. kingdom. It's going to bring encouragement. It's going to be bring peace, you know? So yeah. we keep keeping our lane. <laughs> And <laughs> keep going after the kingdom. Yeah, Mandy Mandy Swain gave a big yes with a heart. Uh, yeah. so thanks for watching. Thanks for watching, Mandy. Keep the comments coming. Um, so so here's one of the things that um, Ed Silvoso talks about. You know, he's a mentor of mine and, and somebody that I love dearly. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that Ed often talks about is what does a transformation of a community look like? And the way that he put it is that, and he makes it real simple. He says, it looks like the elimination of systemic poverty. And he categorizes systemic poverty in four categories. Financial poverty, like you see everybody thriving, 
right? Nobody, you know, you're always going to have the poor among you. We know that Jesus mm-hmm. said that, but there's always that that isn't a static group of people. Right. Right. It's people that end up in poverty and then they come out and they have a problem right. and then they come out that something happens and then they come out like that's what the kingdom looks like. You are not bound to poverty for generations. You're not bound to poverty uh, in a region, you know, like like so that that's that's a place where the kingdom manifests. The other one is that um, the other three are uh, spiritual poverty where people have encounters and relationship with Jesus that begins to transform the culture of the community. Spiritual poverty transforms the culture. And so so when you have a spiritual poverty, you often have depression. You have all types of other issues that come up um, and which leads to one of the other elements of, of systemic poverty, which is motivational, right? So that he's like, that is a major form of systemic poverty is the mo- motivational poverty. People that no longer are driven or feel motivated to provide for the next generation. Right, yeah. who are no longer leaving legacy, and of course, then that leads us also to relational poverty, right? And yeah. and he and I love this relational poverty concept because he says a lot of people with extreme wealth don't have great relationships because they're constantly worried about who wants their stuff. Wow! And they build and they build relationships based on what's good for their money instead mm-hmm. of having really healthy relationships. And then yet you will find people who are in abject poverty and they've got a huge resource network of great relationships because they know that they need to lean on each other because they don't have the resources. So when the kingdom shows up, you actually have great, healthy relational connection, the ability to provide for those in need as much as to make the connection for somebody who has the resources that somebody else needs. So, you know, that those that when that happens in a community, you begin to see the kingdom of God manifest dramatically. And so he kind of says, here's the end goal of when the kingdom is established in a region. Right. Is that all four of these areas of poverty are eliminated and he pulls it all directly out of Acts chapter two, the end of Acts right. chapter two. Right. Yeah. Like it's just like, oh, here's what it looked like when the kingdom showed up at the beginning. And that might just be what it needs to look like at the end. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, one of the things um, maybe you got something hop in, um, but go for it. I think one of the things that that I've been kind of seeing and simmering on a, a bit lately is just, well, I mean, I, I think it's not too hard to, to notice a fairly predominant tendency in Christian community, like whether you're looking online or whether you're more local expression, whatever. But um, it, it going back to that end times thing, it's like mm-hmm. we are so... Mm-hmm discipled into looking for the bad and (laughs) looking for somebody that's going to be the antichrist taking advantage of us. This is the control thing. This is like, it's going to be the mark of the beast. It's, you know, we're, we're so Mm -hmm. looking for, um, for a a, a bad thing that like it, this is what was going on. Um, just a story to make it a little bit more practical. So, you know, I mentioned right at the start of this, uh, this video, um, this podcast that we did a class on end times and, you know, um, and so afterwards it was kind of the, the small group session, once we got past the tornado warning and made sure the storm wasn't going to, to hurt us, 
we did get to small groups and the question was really like, hey, how is this different than what you've been taught before? And it wasn't too long before conversation started shifting right into the, but they're out to do this and they're going to trying to get that and they're going to control these things. And I'm like, guys, Jesus had so many opportunities, like soft uh-huh. pitch, like you can hit this one as far as you want to, to find a they to blame something on. Mm-hmm. But the whole cry of the kingdom is who's going to take responsibility for something. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, this is something that was uh, really challenging. Um, I don't know if you know who Bill Vanderbush is. He, uh, we heard him recently at a conference. And one of the things that he said was, you know, a, a lot of people will say that, uh, that, it was in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve gave the keys of authority over the world to the devil, right? Um, but he actually took it to when did that actually happen? He said, because it wasn't just because Adam and Eve obeyed the devil. It was then when God came looking for them and he first says to Adam, what happened? Who told you you're naked? And Adam, it was the woman you gave. He passes the buck. He doesn't take responsibility for it. He passes the buck. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. and then so God turns to Eve and he says, Eve, what happened? And Eve's like, it was the serpent's fault. And she passes the buck. And so then God turns to the serpent. And he's like, what happened? And the serpent just doesn't say anything. And so he lets the responsibility rest on him for what happened and where responsibility rested so did authority. And when we as the church are like, well, they're doing this, they're doing this, and they're doing this. And all we're doing is we're actually abdicating authority and we're giving authority away to the people we don't want carrying it. Come on. Where instead, if we will take authority and say, and, and, and we'll take responsibility, we'll say, look, there is darkness in my community and I'm not okay Mm -hmm. with that. Okay with it. I don't have answers for it yet, but I'm going to keep digging until Mm -hmm. I figure something out and I'm going to try stuff and I'm going to make mistakes. But by the end, by the time I'm done, it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. Yep. Come on. That's what Mandy said. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Amen. Um, So it's really interesting because I think Bill Johnson said, you know, whatever gospel you were birthed in is the gospel that you'll carry out. And yeah. so, so, you know, people who are birthed out of fear, right. They got the, the turn and burn, turn or burn message. Um, yeah. the, that, the fruit of that naturally is that I need to be afraid to be okay. Right. I need to be it's afraid true. in order to be holy. Yeah. I need to live in fear in order to please God. And the, the gospel of the kingdom is antithetical to fear. Right. There's a great joy. That's right. And so the reality of fearing the Lord isn't a fear of punishment because I'm freed from punishment. I've been set free from punishment. I never have to worry about God punishing me ever. I, I, I am unpunishable. If you ever have a chance to read Danny Silk's book, Unpunishable, read it. Okay. It's yeah. life changing because you realize that actually nowhere does it say that he's going to punish a Christian. Right. In fact, his discipline and the training yep. that he does is gentle. It is gracious. He is he is a good father. He will mm-hmm. not give us a stone instead of bread. 
Mm-hmm. That's punishment. That's abuse. We don't serve an yeah. abusive God. And so if we can begin to birth people in the kingdom, according to the good news of great joy, not out of fear, then our eschatology changes. Because we're no right. longer waiting for the doom and gloom and waiting for all the chaos and the craziness to know that Jesus is coming. We actually have a wholly different internal clock, an internal yeah. meter of what is the kingdom going to look like instead of what's the devil doing. Right. Because it's easy to see what the devil does. It's really hard to find out what are the believers doing right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that is hard to find. But it's easy to see what the devil does. But what, where's where's the church? What are we doing? So what does revival look like? Amen. Brings it all home. It does. Yeah. So you had something that you wrote down, Amy. Did you already cover that? Yeah, I did. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, yeah. Sound like you have something else though. No, I was just gonna go on that responsibility yeah. piece. Like, what what does it look like when revival happens? You know, I said part of the reason why Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. wrote this the sex ed curriculum for our schools that we're now mad about is because the Christians didn't do it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. would it look like if we created a sex ed curriculum and got that into the school system? What would it yep. look like if we sat on the school boards instead of, you know, just complaining about those things? Like we we really need to be, I think, Chris, what you said, known for what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the light. You know, I, I love yep. Chris, that, that you are sitting in on a, a board for housing. I mm-hmm. I sat in on the Bell Plain Business Chamber of Commerce for mm-hmm. a couple of years, you know, like because yeah. I want to be known around town. And, you know, as mm-hmm. you're out and about influential. and influential, mm-hmm. Amen. And it's amazing yep. when you sit in that place and they're bringing out questions about how do we support this? How do we do this? You know? And then the spirit of God starts flowing with wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mm-hmm. coming up with creative ideas. Pretty mm-hmm. soon you become known. And mm-hmm. eventually people are running into troubles in their life. And that's just the open door to share your hope or the testimony yeah. of God in your life that, you know, so we good. still need the gospel of Jesus. You know, here's yes. the good news. I was in your shoes and this is what happened to me. Let me pray Amen. for you. You know, and it yes. just... And it just becomes a natural outflow of who we are as mm-hmm. we get involved in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just would it. really encourage everybody listening to this to really go to the Lord directly about this, what this looks like specifically in your life. Yeah. Because um, cause on one hand, I want to give this really strong exhortation that maybe the Christian church has been like distracted, entertainment drunk, and lazy. Because you're not going to build something without actually building it. I love that. You have to work at it, you know? Like, like we want to have great kids, but how many of us actually engage in the process of training? Like, it has to be work. You have to do it or it isn't going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, we want Mm -hmm. the church to be built. We want the kingdom of God to be established in the world around us. But, like, that means you're actually going to have to do something you know what yes. i mean and, yes. and and so i yeah. want to give like that but at the same time i don't want to just smack people like that's not my personality mm-hmm. you guys know that about me i don't know if the listeners know that about me um but they do now and they do now <laughs> but my heart is actually like okay God, like the, the author of hebrews said said that our labor is to enter into his rest 
Mm-hmm. And so yep. it, it, our, our yep. labor is actually to find him. It's yes. in the relational work of yes. finding his face, of seeing his face, of hearing his voice, of taking that time to build the connection with God. And yep. out of that connection with God, he enables us to do supernatural things. It's just like Amy yep. was saying, sure, yep. we show up for the meeting. How much effort did yep. that take? We show up yep. for the meeting, but then the problem gets presented and out of the rest, we've enabled our, like we built that connection and out of that rest comes a word of wisdom that solves yes. solutions and problems. Absolutely. And, and you know, I know we're starting to run run a little bit on time. Okay. So I just want to give okay. an example of the picture of what this can do. Um, Daniel is probably my favorite picture of the, the potential of this because Daniel was a person who, who uh, was taken captive and, and quite possibly castrated by and enslaved by the man who probably killed his parents, besieged his city, starved his his people, and yeah. it, it deposed his king. Like yeah. all of these things, he was hauled off and forced to serve that guy. And he served in this completely pagan culture where they even gave him the name of being a, a necromancer, a magician. Like he was named after all of those Satan worshipers. <laughs> And forced yep. to serve them, like serve alongside of them as their co-worker. And in all of that environment, he still carried himself with such high service to the king, the true king mm-hmm. of kings, mm-hmm. that by, by Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar actually writes a chapter of scripture. Like, just let that yeah. settle on yourself and imagine who carries that kind of status. Do we think... Mark Zuckerberg is going to write a chapter of scripture. Bill Gates is going to write a chapter of scripture. Um, pick the person. Joe Biden is going to write the chapter of scripture. Um, Crazy. The yeah. head of the UN is going to write a chapter of scripture um, because of the faithful service that a Christian, a kingdom-minded Christian does in a court of a whole bunch of pagan people. And, and by standing in that place with integrity, God shows himself to be the mm-hmm. true God. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Nebuchadnezzar declares him to be. The, the God most high who does whatever he pleases, the king, the God of heaven. So good. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hit these comments real quick because I, I, I also think this came back to the encounter thing that we were talking about before. Like, um, Actually, when you when you draw near to God, he draw nears to you. If you're hungry for his presence, you will encounter God. And when you yes. do, it changes everything. Yes, it changes everything. So Mandy says, I actually had to ask my sister in Christ if I was crazy because I'm not, quote unquote, afraid of God. My fear of God comes only in being cut off since that can't happen because he chose me. There's no fear, just love. That's Sounds good. Like first John to me. That's what I was just going to say. Yep. And then uh, Mandy says, his corrections are for my benefit. Amen. And then uh, while you were just talking, she threw down a big yes on that. Yeah. So Mandy, we appreciate the interactions. We absolutely yes. love that. Um, so um, I'm going to ask you guys to pray us out. Um, I want you to release revival, the manifestation of the kingdom and what that should look like, uh, whatever the Lord puts in your hearts. Like God, I think when you guys were here, we talked about the level of your influence is going to be exponentially increasing. 
And so part of part of where we go is where we release. So I, I just I just feel like you guys need to need to release something on a on a on a on a bigger scale than Bell playing today. Uh, but I appreciate you guys so much. Mandy says I love you all. We love you too, Mandy. Thank you so much for joining us. So go, why don't you guys go ahead and, and however you feel led to do that. Lord Jesus, revival is in the air. Revival is here. Revival is now. God, mm. everything that we pray, like, would you do, would you do, you already did. It is complete, and it is in an open hand. God, it's in your open hand, and we just need to take it and run with it. So, Father, I just released uh, a stirring in, in our spirits, Lord, nationwide, mm. that believers would rise up into the fullness. I just was kind of teaching on this that that man there was a lost inheritance jesus paid for us to move in miracle signs wonders and healing and the enemy took that away by kind of blinding us to it or that oh it just doesn't happen but god that a righteous indignation would rise up in your people that we would receive the inheritance that was given to us through the death and resurrection of jesus and that we yes. would take hold of these signs wonders miracles healings and the power of salvation the redemption of people, yes. Lord, that we would take a hold of the inheritance that you have given us and we would run with it, Lord, that we would take it to our neighbors, to our businesses, to every place that we go, that, Lord, that we wouldn't be shy. Father, I pray for a spirit of boldness to come upon mm, us. Come Jesus, on. I'm yes, just Lord. reminded that it, it's Pentecost Sunday, this coming Sunday, when yeah. the spirit came upon people Shut and up. they all went out and spoke in different languages and the people understood in different languages. So, Lord, in the media realm, they speak the media language, but they were testifying of the goodness of God. And in the business realm, they're speaking the business language, but they're testifying of the goodness of God. So, Father, I just pray that your spirit would be upon us, that we would remember the testimony of the things that you have done, and we would release that in, in all the languages, Lord, of the earth, that we would release the testimony of the goodness of God. Jesus, I just pray that your spirit would stir in your people to go mm -hmm. into these places, Lord, that we would cast down judgment, Lord, that we are done partnering with mm -hmm. a spirit of judgment. Yes. Instead, mm -hmm. we have eyes to see in love, in compassion, in reconciliation, and in restoration. Lord, that we wouldn't see the work of the enemy, but that we would see the true prisoner and captive who needs freedom, who needs release, mm -hmm. Lord. And that we would be the answer, that we would be the solution in Jesus' name. Yeah. God, we declare, I, I, I release over not just those listening, Jesus, but over your people in every tribe, nation, every system. God, the, the personal encounter with you that brings a revelation of the kingdom. God, that you release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Father God, I declare that a, a new level of your people walking in open heavens, Jesus, that they would see the wisdom that upholds heaven itself and causes heaven to be unshakable. And God, whatever piece of that wisdom that is theirs to carry for where you have sent them and where they go day by day. God, impart that wisdom to them and release a, a fire of boldness that cannot be quenched. God, like Jeremiah said, your word was a fire mm -hmm. in his bones that he, it would burn him if he didn't get it out. 
Mm-hmm. God, put that fire inside of your people. That is a redemptive word that brings the wisdom of God, that cuts off the wisdom, worldly wisdom, that cuts off the, the wisdom of the world that, that is corrupting of systems. God, but it releases the pure wisdom of, of God that upholds heaven and will uphold earth. Jesus mm-hmm. that brings the mm-hmm. redemption of every mm-hmm. level of society, that breaks systemic poverty mm-hmm. off, of, off of relationships, off of, yes. off of economics, off of all those four areas in every society, Lord Jesus, yes. and, and God ultimately, that it exalts your name, that, mm-hmm. that where the, the people of God flourish and prosper, the city yes. rejoices and comes to yes. know because yes. they see your wisdom as greater, as superior, as better, as more beneficial. And Father, just from, from what you've given us to carry, we especially mm-hmm. release this, Jesus, into the churches, into the families, into the governments of this world. Mm-hmm. God, that you would plant all of this wisdom upstream from all of the mountains so that it will it will infiltrate and spread into and nourish yes. and shape every mountain of society and bring benefit to every person on the planet for generations to come in Jesus come on amen amen Amen. wow the presence of God so thick and um, I'm just so grateful for you guys and um, what a fun conversation you know and I think yeah I think there's so much more there's so much more for us to dive into so I'm so excited for our next steps and you know what the Lord's going to do. And of course, you know, a big amen from Mandy, our faithful. That's awesome. All right. So um, uh, we bless you guys. We're going to head out and uh, we will be back next week. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us today for this conversation. You can follow us, like, subscribe, and share out any of these episodes on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can go to insightnow.co. Have a great day.